Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This episode is brought to you by Pantheon. With years of experience in website management, Pantheon knows one thing for certain. Sites launched on its web ops platform that are built and supported by agencies find more success. It's why Pantheon has invested in building a product and partner program that serve agencies first. It's a win-win-win for Pantheon, its agency partners, and their clients. Today, over 2,500 agencies partner with Pantheon to provide exceptional digital experiences for their clients. Learn more at pantheon.io slash adweek. That's pantheon.io slash adweek. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. It's the Adweek podcast. Uh, we are in Cannes, uh, in the south of France, for the Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity. So pleased to be joined by Kate Stanners, uh, the global CCO for Saatchi & Saatchi, uh, based in London. And, uh, I, well, A, it's just such a pleasure. Thank you so much for making time for us. Well, what a pleasure to be asked. <laughs> and we, uh, you have a really exciting project I want to make sure we talk about first, um, which is one of my favorite events at Cannes every year, uh, and one that I think is maybe underappreciated despite its longevity. I think the people who know it love it, uh, and that is the New Directors Showcase. Uh, this has been going on for how long now? It's in its 29th year, so it's, it's um, yeah, it's it's got a good, as you say, it's got a really good following, and it, in a way, it's, um, when I first started out in the industry, it was one of the things I, I admired that an agency had done, because I think you see, and particularly now when we look out onto the Quasette, you see a lot of sponsored events that are people pushing their shtick, and I think the Saatchi Showcase always was about almost an act of generosity, actually, finding and unearthing new directing talent and showcasing it to the world. So you got no sort of special treatment and you didn't keep stuff to yourself. It was sort of a platform on which to showcase emerging talent in which there's been many, many directors that have gone on to amazing things that first sort of found uh, sort of a, a, an audience with the platform. So, yeah. 
It is it is one of the most pure events at camp. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like- it does because it's no it's it it is just sitting down. No one's pushing anything other than watching the sort of uh, films and content that just and you, you're in awe of young talent that is doing this very often for the, their first piece. It's definitely you know one of the very early pieces they might have been sort of making before they might go on to more commercial success. So you really do. And in the process of looking at the work each year, we we trawl through quite a lot. Uh, and actually, that's the really exciting thing. You just sort of get a sense of what's out there, what's changing each year. You get a, maybe a slightly different tone of work comes through. Um, so it really is an amazing thing to get involved with. So it's something I've been passionate about. And sort of since I joined Sarches, which is about 13, 14 years ago, I've really been very involved in it. And uh, Tell us about the selection process. So we um, we ask... Uh, all our CCOs around our network to uh, and heads of production uh, and um, to find uh, different stuff, really, to look out and find. We also uh, reach out to a lot of film schools, um, increasingly, uh, and production companies that are always on the lookout for new talent as well. So we, we go through those channels, but also... Increasingly, we love talking to uh, YouTube, to uh, Instagram and so forth to sort of see where maybe new forms of storytelling are happening and how it's happening. And that's really why we've changed the theme this year to new creators showcase. Yeah, so so I was I was waiting for the big ah. reveal there. It is uh, so what is it officially called now? Officially we've changed it to new creators showcase. That's the uh, first Sachi and Sachi new creators Sachi and Sachi. Good good. Um, but and it's really to reflect, in, in all honesty, what that means is we don't know. But it was really a, an attempt to embrace, you know, I think you can say directing talent. Sometimes you have a preconception about, about what that is and often very narrative-based. And over the years, we have showcased stuff as well. And we wanted to find a way that meant that uh, people saw that this was a platform where they could uh, enter that kind of work as well. So we have looked at how storytelling is changing as well. And we talk about, you know, modern storytelling and how using new technology and new platforms actually is having a really big effect. And so I do feel like some of the most inventive filmmaking happening right now is on apps like TikTok, you know, where these very limited time and, and looping and the creativity that people bring to it. Are we going to see that kind of content in this? I mean, I can't picture there's a six-second video in the middle of well, the Well, <laughs> there are that we we definitely looked at that kind of stuff, and we we um, will explore a little bit about what we think that might mean, uh, and uh, which I think is really interesting. There's a really interesting consequence of how we consider the audience now. Uh, and I think actually how you consume content, whether that is on your phone, bearing in mind the environment you're consuming it in is quite important. In the past, you might have been electing to watch it on TV or in cinema or or even YouTube, I think, is a format where you're used to consuming it in, in a sort of considered way, 
Whereas I think if you're consuming it on social platforms, you really have to think about the power of the audience in a slightly different way. So I think that's one of the emerging trends we're going to start seeing with the sort of the TikTok. So I mean, TikTok's amazing and it's used by a very particular audience. And as you say, it's just giving people tools to make stuff. Um, and you could argue that some of it's quite disposable, but in a way that's that's its role, you know. So it, it is really interesting. And obviously a lot of platforms like Instagram are creating tools for storytellers. So I think that's interesting. What I really like, though, is I like the way there's a lot of technology is being, in, in, you know, evolved, um, but it's the creative people that take it and fuck it up. And that's what we're finding, you know, I find interesting. It's kind of, it takes the magic of the creative mind to take the things that were given to them and use them in a way that they were never meant to be used. And that where, that's where it gets interesting. I think. Testing the limits of these formats. And, yeah, yeah, and just taking them to places that they were never intended to be taken to. I mean, that's what we see happening all the time. But I think there is a certain creative mind that really relishes in that. And I feel like on the opposite end of the really short form content, there's we're also in this new golden age of long form yeah. content. You know, we had a what forty eight minute uh, yeah. video last year win a Grand Prix yeah. uh, with Corazon for yeah. the Montefiore uh, Health System, and. I would say getting five-minute ads is not rare for us anymore. It used to be maybe once a year you'd get that, and now once a week? Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about that trend? Well, I think it's really interesting, and having done lots of, you know, lots of judging, and it's a mindset, and I think we're just getting more used to that. So I think originally when you'd be sitting judging and you'd be judging lots of 30-second films, when something that was 48 minutes came along, it was like, oh, man, <laughs> how are we going to deal with this? I think now you you are you you expect it more, and therefore you're kind of uh, really sitting back and enjoying it, and and sort of it slows you down. And and I think us thinking that that is something that is a regular occurrence, and we therefore we're in the right mindset to consume it. You have to be in the right place to want to consume it. Yeah, that's the thing I, I notice with those is is depending on the moment when someone tells me you need to watch this and I, and I'll say okay cool and I'll pull it up if I'm if I'm not in the right headspace if I'm not in the right part time of my day and someone tries to get me to watch a seven minute ad <laughs> you yeah know, you're really, just not gonna do it and yeah. I think that is the power of I think that's the power of uh, understanding uh, data in terms of consumption and hopefully we will learn better ways to serve up film and content so it lands in the right place at the right time when we're most susceptible to wanting to watch it because that i mean if if someone asks you to watch something you don't want to watch it then it's a waste of time how i mean you've obviously been working in this industry through the rise of branded content through the you know the many different phases of branded yeah. content where do you feel that the, and when i say that i guess what do you what do you even picture when someone says branded content and how do we draw a, any sort of line between that and, and advertising? It's quite, it's, it is really interesting. So years ago, um, a group of us were part of a, an agency called St. Luke's in London. And one of the things we set out to do was create <laughs> branded content. Um, and this is like, you know, 20 years ago we started. And we just, it was so difficult because people just didn't understand it. And we talked about it in all sorts of different ways. And I guess it was just too early to try and do it. And I think slowly we've 
again, because there's convergence everywhere, again, we understand that there is something uh, useful when t- a couple of things... I, I see it as things coming together. That's how I see branded content. And, and it's pretty pointless if it's got nothing to do with anything. Um, so it's like anything. If, if it's interesting, people will be interested. And if it's the right fit, then people don't worry about it. If it's the wrong fit, it feels incongruous and, and, and therefore awkward. Um, so I think it just, enc- to be honest, I think it encourages new forms of creativity and storytelling. So I really like that. But again, I think we're learning. Thanks again to this week's sponsor, Pantheon. Websites are one of the most important brand assets. Whether you're building a new site for a client or managing multiple sites, Pantheon is your partner in success. More than 2,500 agencies trust Pantheon's web ops platform to power their clients' websites and deliver best-in-class digital experiences. Learn more at pantheon.io slash adweek. That's pantheon.io slash adweek. How many years do you think you've been coming to Cannes? I can tell you because... My first time I came to Cannes was when I first joined Saatchi in Saatchi, which was 14 years ago. Oh, okay. And I'd never, ever been before that. I was so bloody shocked. It was like um, I came, I had an 18, 18-month-old son. I was asked to judge film. I'd never, I'd, I'd never been here. I didn't know what it was. I went, no, no, thanks. I don't want to do that. And my boss, who did my job then, a, a wonderful man called Bob Isherwood, said to me, uh, Kate, uh, no, that's the wrong answer. It's a privilege to be asked to judge film at Cannes. And I went, why would it be a pr- privilege to go to the south of France and sit in a dark room for eight days straight? He go, believe me. So begrudgingly, I went, oh, OK. And actually, I found it really traumatic because not only was I here in the beautiful sunshine and never saw it for eight days straight, but we there were 21 jurors... I have to say, mostly men. Um, And uh, we watched so much work because we didn't didn't prejudge then. So we watched so much work in this eight days that I think I kind of went a bit loopy. Like I woke up for three weeks later seeing film flash in my head. Yeah, it it can't be good for you. That can't be healthy. You're overstimulated, you know, and then you sort of go, you go, I've got to go and have a few roses afterwards. You maybe have an hour's sleep, come back in. It was... I, it properly went mad. Um, and then over the years, I've learned, I've matured, I think you can say, and I've paced myself a bit better. But I do think now I look back on that and realise, actually, it, you need to come here. And if you are lucky enough to be asked to judge, it is a real privilege. You get to be with amazing people and you see amazing work. And you've got to be in the mindset to just go, that's why I'm here. Forget everything else that's happening and that fear of missing out all the all the parties just really enjoy the the people you're with and the work you're seeing and uh, and see that as a privilege so yeah over the years I've done you know titanium and I've I've done press and uh and film and I just find it absolutely fascinating not least for the people that are on the jury with you and you just get a chance to you know you can be swayed by different very convincing arguments that people put forward in those final stages of judging. 
Well, we, it's something I think those of us who are deeply involved in advertising take for granted, but outsiders would probably be so confused by the fact that the juries are made up of competitors, right? You've got all these like yeah. major industry competitors all in one room, judging often their own work, yep. you know, and then there are, of course, rules to help yep. mitigate some of that. But in the end, it's a weird <laughs> thing when you take a step back. It is weird. And I, I think there is, um, I think there's something fascinating about the process. And, you know, there are a couple of amazing uh uh, jury processes in in our industry, I'd say, you know, the one show is one, I think DNA D is and can. Those, you know, they, they offer you uh, hopefully the environment where you leave your your, I suppose, your geography and your network and your agency behind and you're there as you, uh, as a, a talented creative who is done well in their industry and is respected and therefore has an opinion that people you know respect and value it doesn't always happen that way but i think generally creators are very good at um they they love what they do so much and they love the craft of what they do and they're so respectful when they see something brilliant and that idea of all you can do is go i wish i'd done that and i think that probably is, I, I wonder if you could have the same thing going on when you've got agency leaders uh, in terms of, um, you know, account people or uh, business. I, I wonder if they get a little bit more protective of their, of their brands. But I, I, I do genuinely think those processes work if people do leave the politics behind and, and they recognise the fact that they're there, you know, in my case as Kate Stanners, not as... Saatchi and Saatchi creative officer. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And, and I feel like the, you know, the, the festival's always evolving in terms of the programming, in terms of the awards. We've had two awards that are new this year that they've already given out. I think the Entertainment for Sport Lion and uh, today was the uh, Influencer, Social and Influencer or whatever uh, they're calling that one. But I feel like that's less indicative of how the festival has changed than just the feeling you get over time of seeing how, it, how it's uh, changed. Yeah. yeah. Like how, and I'm curious for you, the, these last few years have been pretty dramatic for can, uh, but are you, you've got a longer timeline than I do of, of yeah. this festival. How do you feel it's changing? I think, I think, and I, I thought about this a lot because, you know, it is a fest, it's called a festival of creativity. And I think because it does celebrate what, what, but I think creativity in a very broad a church if you like so it it really feels that we we gather around you know smart and clever stuff that imaginative people do um and i think it being uh, less specific about creativity in in advertising and more generally about an industry and it clearly is an industry festival uh, and, you know, I just came away from hearing Scott Galloway talking, who's an amazing talker, and he was talking about happiness, you know. And so it becomes, you know, these are interesting perspectives told by interesting people. Um, and, and in that way, if you if you embrace it, it's, it's a place where you absorb a lot of um, inspiration, actually, for your own, for your own sort of being, as well as your professional being. Is it, uh, when you look out, can you see a lot of uh, tents by Google and, you know, hosting events. There's a lot of side hustles going on and a lot of other events almost becoming like two things, the Palais and then everything else. Um, it's your choice how, how you 
how you sort of embrace it. I think it is different. I think I know that uh, Phil Thomas and the team have really tried to kind of make it um, a a more inspiring experience if, if for uh, you know people attending and really thinking about helping young people in the industry and and giving them lots of so there's lots of I've noticed lots of kind of meetups lots a lot of young lion activity happening which has always gone on but it seems much more uh, prevalent there seems a lot of people being involved lots and lots of smaller things going on that are a little bit more interactive a lot of Q&As so that that I think is really healthy but behind the scenes in the jury rooms, but also just in yeah, the broader... Yeah, that's cool as well. You get to see the judging process as well. Yeah, yeah the transparency they've yeah. added with a lot more live judging. Yeah. And I, I'm sure it changes some of those discussions, but maybe that's okay. I, <laughs> maybe. I, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I've been in somewhere I think you would not have had the discussions you had if that if everyone had been watching. <laughs> I've, I've watched several of the live... and and. It's it is interesting because you can almost feel them not saying something. Sometimes someone will start to say something and cut yeah, themselves I, off. I mean, I think that's going to be something. Whether they go, you know what? Maybe there is a closed. We need to be a bit closed in some of these things because you do have uncomfortable discussions. Even when someone on the jury, it's their work that you're discussing, they go out of the room, obviously. But then now they'll know what everyone said <laughs> if they want to you know like it's a little bit more public um maybe that's good maybe we just have to be open about you know what, what we think to to everyone you do i think in those judging things one of the things i learned very on as a judge but i think this is something it's like something you learn and it's probably as you maybe spend a little bit more time in the business and you you know you've been a, someone who is authoring a lot of work as a as a creative and maybe if you uh, take a slightly change of direction into creative director there, that is a very different job and one of the things you learn is is assessing other people's work is something that comes with that very quickly rather than your own work and that's essentially what you're doing in in a jury and it comes with you trying to articulate what it is that you think is good or not so good about something. And that articulation, some people aren't great at and some people are brilliant at. And it does sway a room and, and you have to learn quickly. If you're going to stand up for something, you've got to think in your head, on your feet, how am I going to pitch this to the rest of the room to tell them why I do think it's fabulous. And, and when people do that well, it does change a room and, you know. And I've seen so many more rising female creative leaders on juries lately, which I yeah. think is a real testament to, uh, you know, not so much here, it may be happening, but I noticed it uh, very, very notably at uh, one show in DNAD yeah. and you, you see more creative directors and, and less, you know, CCOs. Yeah. Um, it feels like this is a really important step for career development to get on those juries. Um, but you've seen it much more, much more personally, um, but it feels like opening those up to more women and especially more women who are not already at the yeah. the height of their career. It really yeah. opens up a lot of opportunity. I think the women that I have put forward to go on juries find it so incredible as an experience. Um, they are way more uh, grateful of the experience and almost, well, they give me lots of feedback in terms of what they've got out of it. And I think being exposed to this extraordinary group of people, they love. And I think... 
realizing that there are other women out there doing what they're doing is really, really important. Um, feeling safe on those juries. I know that sounds really stupid, um, mm, but two, maybe two years ago, I was here judging Titanium, and it was the first time I'd been on a jury. There, I think there were eight of us, four men, four women, and it was brilliant. Maybe it's ten of us, five and five. And it was brilliant because I suddenly, and I know this sounds really pathetic at my age <laughs> to say, it was the first time I was sort of aware that maybe my um, my choices and the things I instinctively liked were because I was a woman. I just thought it was because it was me. But it was really odd because we were a very split down the middle sometimes on gender. So we were picking stuff. Uh, and I think we had things like the Kenzo film, which all the women in the room loved, the Spike Jones Kenzo film. And the men went, I honestly don't know why this is any good. And we had proper stand-up. I, I want. I don't want to say. This is only like three I years ago, right? This I, is a really recent piece. Yeah, but it was. It was really interesting <laughs> because so it talks to you. We 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 felt it talks to you in a different way, or it felt like it did when we had. Now that discussion, I'd never had that type of discussion about work because I always thought my opinion was just because it was me, Kate. I suddenly dawned, and this is, I know, pathetic, to, to realise actually my opinion is very formed by my, my you know, experience as a, as a woman. And we were responding to the work uh, probably as consumers and then as professionals, and maybe that is, you know, I think that's what we all do, and I think that's perfectly acceptable to do that. Well, and, and you're seeing not just in the, gla the glass lines, where obviously you're going to see a lot of gender-specific, gender-balance uh, issues. That's the whole point of that line. But I think you're seeing it beyond that, too. Uh, by the time this podcast goes live, um, it, you know, people will know that there was a Grand Prix winner uh, called The Tampon Book, uh, which is a... Uh, it's hilarious, but it's also really de you know depressing that it has to exist. It was a workaround from the fact that Germany has uh, something like an eighteen percent tax on tampons as yeah. a luxury item. Yeah. Uh, while truffles and oil paintings and all the other things are seven percent. Exactly. I mean, it's one of these crazy things. Um, I think that I mean, there's a huge thing around. Uh, um, there's. This year, some great work, Viva La Volva, mm -hmm. which is fabulous as well, but really spirited. Last year, Blood Normal, again, yeah. was a, a, a brilliant campaign. And these were really sort of um, immersive campaigns with um, Viva La Volva, which is a great film. And Blood Normal had millions of sort of social spin-offs and so forth. But, you know, there are still true facts about this. It, they're seen as luxury items in many countries. There is, you know, and in many countries, uh, girls miss schooling because they don't mm. go in when they have their period because they have no form of, of sanitary towel or tampon. And it has this, they, that means they're missing a year's education and they drop out of school earlier. And we see that. I mean, that is crazy. In and this day and age. To your point, I feel like we're seeing more of those campaigns rise to the top across multiple juries. Yeah. And I like to think that guys could recognize that these are massive problems. But the case study for the tampon book, uh, which I, I, should, I should explain the reason it's called the tampon book, is because they started selling tampons as a book because books are only taxed at 7%. Yeah. So you open the book and there's 10 tampons in it. Yeah. Um, and it's got a lot of great content, too. It's from uh, Schultz and Friends, I believe, is the agency in Germany. Um, but the, you know... I, the case study itself talks about how men made these laws, 
you know, men enforce this stuff without, yes. without any empathy, without yeah. <laughs> any thought. And I feel like, oh, we're, we're finally maybe coming out the other side of getting women to equal representation well, like, in the room. And I think this is it. I don't think any of it is, it's this whole thing about, you know, uh, unconscious bias. And I think, you know, no one really thought so these things happen. And I think because there is, hopefully we will one day get to an equal representation, these things will be thought. And I think one thing we can all do is be conscious of our unconscious bias, be that male or female. And, and, and by the way, I think, you know, we, gender is one, only one of the diversity issues we face. And I think, you know, and, and it isn't a really important one, but, you know, we have many others as well. So I think it's, um, you know, I think be, uh, trying to be conscious of our unconscious bias will get us a hell of a long way. It doesn't mean, we, you know, we, we have, you just have to be aware you're making that decision in, in, in the round. So I just thought, I just thinking about that tampon book, there was another thing um, I was, uh, in the UK, we do the New, New Blood, which is a DNA D New Blood mm-hmm. student festival. And similarly, the, uh, I don't I think it maybe got a black pencil for the students as well, which was um, toilet roll done as um, sanitary pads for the same reason, because yeah, wow. toilet roll didn't, so they were packaged up as a toilet roll. So yeah. it, again, brilliant. Just, I, I love that kind of thinking, like the book. It's just really smart, creative you know, solution to kind of fuck a system. Yeah. Which is brilliant. And it shows that the there's two sides to this coin. There's getting women in the creative department. Yeah. And, the, and then there's getting women on the juries because you, you, you know the women on the ju- I th- absolutely so and and I think that it's a, it's cyclical you know we're seeing uh, we're seeing more uh, by doing all of that you'll see young women thinking that these are jobs that are you know that they can do uh, and I mean one of the most significant things we did in the Saatchi London office is ask um, a two two women to be responsible for our internships. And because the first people they met were young women, we got more young women coming through our internships. That simple. Because you see someone, and whether because I've been there as creative director for, you know, quite a while, um, we, you know, we do have more women. And I think it just is, and, and I think one of the things that as women doing this job, we're not as... I don't know. I think often I've been very reticent about talking about being a woman rather than wanting to just talk about being a creative director. I think we're often less comfortable about talking about that kind of stuff. And I I regret that. I regret that I haven't sort of done more things like this. Uh, um, I'm naturally, you know, shy and I don't like getting on platforms and talking. And and, uh, I regret the fact I haven't because I think probably my responsibility was to do that so i'm going to make up for it in my last few years well, i think you have many years ahead ah! of you but uh and speaking of which thank you so much for making time for us this was wonderful i just knew that uh that having you on we would probably cover a wide range of I topics know. we haven't really talked about any work well that's, brilliant. that's for the best yeah uh, the uh <laughs> no this was a wonderful case standards global cco for sachi and sachi thank you so much for making time for us oh thank you for asking me enjoy the rest of the festival i will Take care, everybody.
Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.